Hey guys, Pastor Curtis Ribble here with Venture Community Church. Thank you for joining us online today. It's going to be a great time of worship and teaching. Again, thanks for joining us. Now prepare your hearts for an incredible time with God. Guys, again, welcome to Venture Community Church. We're so excited that you chose to join us today as we kick off our new series, Unstuck. I still have one more to go. Okay, okay, y'all can go, y'all can go, y'all are good. Um, our new series, Unstuck. Um, there is no better time than now for some healthy reflection, so, some healthy self-reflection, some, some healthy discovery. And in this series, we're, we're going to talk about how our vices, our addictions, our, our hurts, and our habits uh, affect the way that we live, uh, affect the life that we have, affect the way that we see grace and uh, we receive what's available to us. So real quick, I just want to pray one more time after I share this next scripture so that we can prepare our hearts for all that God has. Colossians 3, 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So let's pray. God, we celebrate today our life in Christ. That when we say yes to you, we literally, the old, the, the past is, is dead. And you replace that not, with a new past, with a new present, and a, and a new future. God, we thank you for who you are, simply. God, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Okay, Colossians 3.3. 3, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Maybe you could say it this way. Your union with Christ's death broke the association with the world. So you can see yourself maybe located in a, in a fortress where your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And, you know, as we go further into this series, this is a new series. We're going to be preaching it this week, next week, and the next week. Three weeks. That passage, Colossians 3.3, 3, is going to take root in your life in a way like you may not even imagine or expect. But we're going to be speaking that over and over and over again in total transparency today because we're talking about getting unstuck. We're going to be talking about you know, bad habits. We're going to be talking about things that keep us from being able to progress into the abundant life that Jesus promised us. We're going to be talking about vices. We're going to be talking about um, addictions. So total transparency, um, because I've heard that the first step in recovery is, is, is admission, I'm going to confess. I'm going to admit some things to you today. And since some of you, this is your very first time to even think about or, or see or, or hear about Venture Community Church, this is also going to serve as a great way for you to get to know me, uh, get to know my heart, where I'm coming from, and really what my goal is for this series overall. Now, I was talking to some pastors this week, and I had this message prepared a long time in advance. And, and I said, you know, like, man, we're, I'm going to be real transparent here. And, and we discussed how you got to be careful with that. You know, people will get, you know, too familiar with you. And, and, I, and I battled with that this week. How transparent ought I be, being I'm not just talking to my church people who know me and love me, but some of you out there have no idea who I am, don't care, and maybe don't even like me very much. But here's where I landed. I don't care. I'm going to be transparent with you, and we're just going to dive into that. So, I was nervous, though, because I believe that at no other time in history has there been a moment where more pastors will be preaching online, where more messages will be heard online for no, for no other time. 
then now will this message be heard more loudly and more clearly. So, to be transparent, I have some confessions to make this morning, for exact. I, uh, the first confession is this. Confession number one is, I was an addict. And maybe not an addict and like, you're like, oh gosh, I didn't know that about Curtis. No, um, I wasn't an addict maybe in the way that you think. I was, it was much worse. I was an approval addict. Um, I was a church planner and lead pastor when I was 22 years old. How many 22-year-olds do you know and have anything figured out? M- much less how to lead a church or how to lead their family. I mean, honestly, it, looking back now, absolutely clueless. Absolutely clueless. I had no clue what I was doing. But my insecurities and my need for approval forced me to do this. It forced me to feel like I needed everyone to think that I did. So here's what I did. We had nothing. We, we had no resources as a church. And so I worked tirelessly with the limited resources that I had. I was in a constant comparison game with everyone around me, whether it be ministry, business, or personal. Um, I took every question or criticism absolutely personally, took it to heart, took it hard, and it made me bitter and angry. And so I could go on and on on that. And these behaviors, they literally almost destroyed my life, destroyed my marriage, destroyed my ministry. They ruined countless relationships. And if you're watching right now and you're one of those relationships, guys, I love you and I'm sorry that I was a moron. Um, but, mo- but most importantly, I think, is it, is it kept me from my, my, my potential, all that God had already prepared for me. It kept me back from those things. And I tell you this because on some level, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, I don't know exactly what it is, but I understand. I understand on some level. So confession number one is I was an addict. I, I needed approval. I had to have it. Two. Confession number two, I am a believer. I believe that Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. Jesus and his grace are the only way people can truly be unstuck and experience freedom and the abundant life that is promised in Scripture. And I was blessed with parents who had me in church every single time the door was open. And I received salvation, and I was baptized, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at Faith Center Assembly of God right here in Grand America. I love Church, I love God. I, I am an, I'm a 110% believer. And it's for as long as I can recall, I have served in God's house alongside my family. But something happened in my late 20s and early 30s. Even though I had been saved for a very long time, I began to comprehend the grace of God in a way that I never had before. I had a revelation of not only his grace, but who grace is and my identity in him. Confession number three, I'm a pastor, and I've been in pastoral ministry since I was 20 years old, and I think it's funny that I am a pastor, and, um, you know, I I grew up in Graham, America. My first day of school was at Shawnee Elementary, which is now North Central Texas College, and I graduated in 2008 from Graham High School, and when I run into classmates that I haven't seen in a while or teachers that had me in class, they say, hey, what are you up to? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor. We started this church, Venture Community Church, there in Graham on the corner of 2nd and Oak Street, right across from Morrison Funeral Home. You know the cowboy mural? That's our building. This is the typical response. Oh, I never thought you would be a pastor. In fact, I ran into a friend after I preached a funeral just a few weeks ago, and at the very end, he was like, man, I'd have never guessed. And you know what? I never know really how to take it. Other than this, it's funny that I'm a pastor. And often when I'm meeting people, 
I don't introduce myself as, hi, I'm Rev Rib, or hi, I'm Pastor Curtis Ribble, or hi, I'm the most holy bishop Ribble, or anything like that. Why? Because when you introduce yourself as a pastor, or when people know that you're a pastor, here's what happens. They get weird really quick. A normal conversation turns, and it takes a weird left turn. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but people get weird. Why? Because people think that when you're a pastor, you're, you're mega holy, or, or you're super spiritual, or, or that you have it all together, and, and that you're perfect. And I don't think that anyone ever actually says it, but that doesn't make, you know, the belief any less true. That, that pastors should be perfect, that they should have perfect manners, perfect speech, perfect dress, perfect marriages, perfect spouses, perfect children, perfect homes, perfect people skills, perfect leadership skills, perfect communication skills, perfect decision-making skills, perfect scriptural interpretation and delivery, perfect timing, perfect strength, perfect availability, perfect energy, perfect discernment, perfect sensitivity and sensibility, perfect clarity, perfect solutions. Perfect administrative know-how, perfect financial know-how. They should be a marketing genius, so they need marketing know-how as well. Perfect faith, perfect wisdom, perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect emotional habits, perfect sexual habits, perfect habits overall, perfect eating habits, perfect recreational habits, blah, 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 so on and so forth. That's the thought. Real talk, though, I'm not perfect. And there are pastors in this community and pastors that I love that I look up to and I think, man, those guys almost work on, walk on water, but here's the reality. They're not perfect either. And you can ask my children, and I promise you, they will not hesitate to tell you that their dad is not perfect. Truth is that as a pastor and, and all pastors, we're, we're all people who still fight temptation. We battle vices, addiction, hurts, and bad habits every single day. We battle doubt all the time, especially now. But like you, and here's what's important, is we're on a grace journey too. And at any given time in our grace journey, we may be ahead of you in some areas, and in other ways, we might be behind you in some areas. I can't tell you how many times that as a pastor, people of my congregation have lifted me up, maybe without even knowing it. But the key difference between maybe your grace journey and my grace journey or the grace journey of any pastor right now is that your grace journey gets to be private and ours gets to be very public. And that's important to know because the truth is, is that while I'm, while I'm being open, while I'm being honest, while I'm being transparent, is that I get tired and I get frustrated. I don't always exercise self-control, and I wonder often if God is actually hearing my prayers. I battle insecurity, and, and, I, and, and I'm constantly struggling to overcome a sense of failure. I have dry seasons, and I make poor parenting decisions. There's been moments where I've neglected my wife, and, and I've made poor health decisions where I've mismanaged my finances or I've given in to temptation. Listen, I'm not perfect. Real talk, at times, because of the weight and pressure of the responsibility of leading God's house, there have been moments where I just want to throw my hands up, quit, and walk away. But out of all of this, out of everything that I've said, and I've said a lot, here's the next two words that are most important. But grace. What I learned in my late 20s and early 30s is that Grace gives me power to overcome everything that I said before. That I have a supernatural power of Jesus inside of me, right here, in my belly, in my chest, going through me. It's right here. And I can overcome because of that. Confession number four. Man, I love life. I love life so much that my love for life gets me in trouble. 
My wife said something the other day, like, man, you can, like, I, I, listen, I, I have the ability to be the most negative person in the world, and I have the ability to be the most positive person in the world. Imagine being married to me, okay? Um, our home is often a roller coaster, but she told me, you have the ability to turn, like, the worst situations into the best situations, and I attribute that to the fact that I absolutely love my life. Um, and it does get me in trouble, because I like to have a good time. I like to have fun. Um... I used to say it all the time at a buddy who, man, we lived by this, that growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. I believe and I act, oft, I act often like, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And, you know, I, I want to have a fun life. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live fast. I'm going to live hard for Jesus, and I'm going to leave a good-looking corpse for you all to come and visit. That's what it's going to be. All of this, though, while believing God has a great destiny for me, I believe that the grace life is the best life. And I'm going to say that a lot. The grace life is the best life. And my goal is that my life as a Christian, as a Christ follower, is more attractive than anything that the world has to offer. That it is more relevant than anything the world has out there. That my life, when people look at Curtis Ribble, when people look at my family, they're going to say, I want what they have because it looks better than anything I've ever seen before. My life is full of many things, and I've told you a lot of those things, and, and I was honest, and I was transparent, and I was open with you. But here's also what my life has no shortage of. Why? Because I said yes to Jesus. I have no shortage of peace. I have no shortage of love, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control, abundance, forgiveness, and grace. Because the simple reality is, though I was stuck, and though I have to remind myself every day whose I am, Jesus unsticks the stuck, and Jesus unstuck me, and I get to live my best grace life in him because of that. It's simple. And I could spend hours telling you today of all the good things that my good, good father did and how I struggled and how he never gave up. But here's the point. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is that a believer is becoming, struggling, and overcoming all at the same time. And an unbeliever is all alone. A believer is never alone. I get to live life not for victory, but from victory. I am constantly in a place of victory. That's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Jesus unsticks the stuck. And I speak right now, I prophesy right now that if you will stick with us, bad pun, but if you will stick with us through the next three weeks, I believe that in your home, whatever you're struggling with, God is going to be there and make himself real and known. And you are going to find yourself, if not unstuck, well on your way. So you have to ask yourself this question this morning, what, what is it that's got you stuck? Is it, is it hurt? Is it, is it illegal drugs, alcohol, prescription drugs, um, self-harm, sexual misconduct, overeating, overspending, pornography, anger? Uh, like me, maybe you, uh, uh, approval, shopping, fantasy, overworking, religion? Listen, if you're stuck, though, here, here's, here's what... I had to learn is stop beating yourself up. Stop 
If you are stuck, stop beating yourself up. Stop condemning yourself. Here's why. Because you're living and maybe sometimes just surviving in a hostile environment. 1 John 2.16, we are getting to the Bible today if you are wondering. 1 John 2.16 says this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. Listen, you live in a world filled with temptation, and your environment is hostile to you. It's actually quite a miracle that you right now are in as good a shape as you are considering the world that you live in. For some of you listening right now today, the most powerful thing about you is that you are still here. That you are still standing. The most, the, most, the most graceful and the most powerful part of your testimony is that I am here. And I say this because, one, the struggle is real, guys. You've heard it. The struggle is real. And I say this because many people believe that their struggle is special. That they're really messed up. They, I say this because many people believe that they're too far gone. Or they believe that they're worse than other people. And that's why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. Listen, I want to tell you today, if no one has ever told you this, you are absolutely 100% totally normal. You just live in a world that's hostile to you. It's got you stuck, it's hurt you, and it's trained you to crave, think, and act the way you do. Sometimes we think, I don't know why I did that, because you live in a world that's hostile to you. So you're doing only what you know. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is a believer is not alone in this world. And a believer has overcome this world. An unbeliever is all alone. Let me give you an example of my own life. Almost all of my ministry training was based on me and my performance. How I spoke, how I dressed, how I educated my children, how I read my Bible, how I prayed, how I led my wife, how I ate, what I ate how I thought, how I preached, how I lived, how I sinned, how I was raised, etc., and so on and so forth and forever. How I did things. And I quickly realized that I could never measure up to the standards that were being set before me, so here's what I had to do. I just began to perform. I just began to, to just fake it till I make it. I can't, I can't do it. I can't measure up. And I was constantly in a state of condemnation, so I'm going to perform. And when I performed well, I felt really great about myself. And I would pat myself on the back and look in the mirror and say, Curtis, you did a great job today. Good job, boy." But when I performed poorly, I felt really, really bad. And to give you an example, when Venture Community Church started, we launched in 2012 with less than 20 people, and I was related to every single person there except one. And I went to Chicken Express, and I ate mashed potatoes by myself because I felt so depressed because I had failed. Because I had failed God, failed everyone. I did not measure up, apparently. And, it would, and so on and so forth. I could just give you example after example from church, from life, from ministry, from, from marriage, from parenting. And every time I would fail, I would feel worse. And I was constantly trying to perform. And I quickly found that even by the lowest standard, I would perform poorly more than I would perform well. And it broke me. And I, and I judged my performance based on what I had learned and what I knew. And I tell you that because your environment and the environment that you are in 
has developed all sorts of coping mechanisms in you, maybe without you even knowing it. I developed all kinds of destructive behaviors during this time. I slept about an average of three hours a night. I was afraid of disappointing people to the point of physical sickness. I, I struggled with depression. I had anxiety so heavy and so regularly that I, I couldn't at moments remember what it felt like to feel normal. I sacrificed family relationships and, and friendships just on the altar of effort. Like, I'm going to keep trying, no matter who gets in my way, no matter who I run over. I faked holiness so that people would think more of me. <laughs> I've been a victim of a very legalistic culture, and so I adopted a victim mentality, and I was constantly a victim. I was convinced that I had no control over, every, over the large things in my life, so I had to control, oh, I had to, I had to control every little thing. I started believing the worst, so everything in my mind, no matter how small, would go immediately to nuclear winter. It would snowball in my head, and I couldn't control it. I was constantly blaming others. I was always defensive and comparing myself to everyone else. I felt stuck in a life I didn't want to be in. And I talk to people every single week who say, I just don't think I want to do this anymore. Why? Because they're stuck in a life that they just don't want to be in. I did these things, and I did my best, and I had these coping mechanisms, and I developed these bad habits, and I developed these things because I couldn't get unstuck my own, by myself, and these were the only things that I had. I felt incomplete, so I had to constantly compensate. The environment that I had been in shaped who I was, and you might be sitting there right now, and the environment that you were brought up in, or the environment that you find yourself in right now, shaped and is shaping who you are. So you have to recognize that you're immersed in a hostile world. And this is why you've become the person that you are. For some of you right now, you're thinking, I'm exactly who I wanted to be. And that's awesome. That's great. But for many, the person they are is not the person they ever thought they would be or ever wanted to be. And it isn't that you're worse. And I'm talking to you this morning. It's not that you're worse than others. It's simply that over time, you've learned some terrible habits as a way to cope with your reality. That's a bunch of bad news. I don't like bad news. At Venture Community Church, we exist to grow and advance individuals by declaring and demonstrating his gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere. I tell you that because we much prefer the good news. The gospel is good news. And why, why do I prefer that? Why do I prefer the good news? Why do I prefer the gospel? Well, because it's the best message I've ever heard. It's the best thing that I've ever believed. And it's because of that message that I get to live my best grace life right now. Because the gospel showed me that in the midst of all of my performance, that it wasn't about my performance. It was about his performance. It was about what he had already done. The gospel showed me that I had been striving to accomplish what he had already accomplished. But I think to truly appreciate the good news, sometimes you have to highlight the bad news. And I decided in this series that I would open up in a very real way by telling you not what the good news is, but what the good news is not. Being stuck in bondage, religion, law, hurt, performance, whatever, unable to progress in life is not good news. But here's the good news. First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, what is them, anything not of God. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 5, 6, when we are utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Romans 5, 8 through 9, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from condemnation. John 3, 16 through 17, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life and may not perish. God sent his son into this world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saying yes to Jesus is the best thing that you can ever do. Saying yes to Jesus is the best thing that you can ever do. And knowing who you are in him is the best thing that you can ever know. I lived a lot of my life having said yes to Jesus, but not realizing my identity in him. Knowing who you are in him is the best thing that you can ever know. Again, 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You could look at this passage maybe this way. My darling children, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to doubt. And you don't, you don't need to doubt the legitimacy of your sonship. Because Christ's living presence is in you. It's superior to the futile antichrist mindset's presence in this world. Guys, when you say yes to Jesus, it's a big deal. Here's the good news. The fact that the world you're immersed in is hostile to you doesn't mean that you lose. The struggle is real, but so is the Savior. John 16, says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you received life in Christ, he's greater than your hostile work environment. And the greater one will help you conquer and overcome what you cannot conquer alone. Christ in you is greater than your background. It's greater than your programming. It's greater than your struggle. It's greater than your craving. It's greater than your hurts or your family upbringing. It's greater than your bad home life or your hurtful parents. It's greater. Jesus is greater. And now the choice is this. You can either see what you're facing right now as greater, or you can see Jesus as greater. And I tell my kids this all the time. When you believe right, you live right. And if you want to change your life for the better, then you change what you believe for the, be for the better. Why? Because your behavior is simply a byproduct of what you believe. John 8.32 says this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So the truth that you know, but what's the truth? Here's the good news. The truth isn't more rules to follow. The truth is this. Jesus came to liberate you through God, God's abundant grace. Jesus came to liberate you through God's abundant grace. That's the truth. That Jesus came to liberate you through God's abundant grace. John 1, 17 says this. 
for the law was given through Moses. But the good news, here we go. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of us who are stuck and struggling to break free from bondage and change in our lives think that the answer to breaking free lies in more principles, obeying more rules, and and exercising more discipline and self-control. Then what we find ourselves in is a situation where we can't do what's prescribed, we can't do everything that's laid out before us, we feel condemnation. And when we feel condemnation, our problems just get worse. So I have to ask you today, do hurts, do vices, do addictions, have you stuck right now? Are you you in a spot where you're like, I want my life to move forward, but I just don't know what to do. I've done everything I can do. That's right. Sometimes you've done everything you can do. So you need to lean on a Savior who's telling you, I've already done it. I said it is finished, and it was. And then you choose to believe the gospel, that it isn't about you. And it isn't about what you have done to deserve God's deliverance, but what God's done for you through Christ's finished works. That you don't have to get good to get God, but you get God and God makes you good. That God is for you and you believe that he loves you and they believe that he'll empower and deliver you through his unmerited favor. And when you look to him, he will be there even when you're messed up and screwed up or still struggling and you don't know what to do. Believe that he is for you and that he is greater and that he calls you out of darkness. He's giving you a new heart and a new spirit. And believe that he's removed your stubborn heart and given you a tender, responsive heart. That's God's amazing grace. That the truth that you need to start believing in right now. And I'm going to tell you up front that Unstuck is not a 12-step program. It's not a three-step program. It's not a how to unstick yourself. It's about a heart change and the simple reality that you can't unstick yourself. There is nothing you can do. It's through grace and a heart change. It's through the unconditional and unchanging love of a father that our actions will change naturally. Without the burden of force or the stress of trying to fulfill impossible obligations, Listen, I'm not doing this series because I have a desire to force my opinion or present myself as some wise theologian. I am doing this series because I have found the answer, and it is not something, it is someone, it is Jesus, and it is his grace, and it is who he is. I'm doing this series because I love the church with everything I have, and if you're watching this right now, you're included in that. I want to see you living up to your full potential in Christ. I want you to know that you were made to move from glory to glory, not sin to sin. From glory to glory, not failure to failure. From glory to glory, not condemnation to condemnation. From glory to glory to glory to glory. You were made to live an unstuck life. So every week during this series, I'm going to give you the truth that's going to unstick you from the life that you feel stuck in. And I think this, that it doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter how mature we are. There's still something. There is still growth. And that's what I love about growth and advancement and maturing in my identity in Christ is I'm constantly getting to mature. As I'm constantly getting to grow. As I'm constantly getting to advance. He has done it. He has finished. But my maturity in that is what is amazing. Jesus is greater 
this morning. Jesus is greater this afternoon. Jesus is greater tomorrow and the next day and the next day. There will never be a time when what you're facing is greater than him. Next week, I want to talk to you more about this, but we're going to talk about the good news of your death. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask the team to lead us as we close today. Father, we thank you that we can't do it alone, and we need you. God, we thank you that you are mighty and matchless, that you are grace, and you are love, and you look down at us, and you say, I am pleased. God, if there's anyone who's watching this morning, if there's anyone who's watching this video that do not know you, God, I pray that you would draw near and make yourself as real as ever before, that you would make yourself obvious in their home, that they would realize that salvation is simple, that your burden is light, and that all they have to do is say yes to you. God, in the midst of all the craziness, let us find peace in you, God unchanging. God, we praise you, and we thank you. Amen. Guys, if you are watching this video right now, when you, you, you're a little confused on what it means to say yes to Jesus, I just want to talk to you real quick. The Bible says that if I believe in him and I confess with my mouth that he is Lord and he is raised from the dead, that I am saved. So it's simple. I just say, Jesus, I love you. I can't do this on my own. I can't rescue myself, so I need a rescuer. I know that I am lacking, but I know that you are full and whole. God, I receive your salvation, and I want all that you have for me. I believe in you. I believe that you were crucified and you rose for my, for my sin, and you rose from the dead, and when you rose, I rose. That simple, guys. And if maybe for the first time you said, I'm saying yes to Jesus for the first time, we want to know about it. Message us on Facebook. Post in this video. Send us an email at info at We want to know why, because it's a big deal. And we want to celebrate with you. <laughs> Guys, this is just the beginning. I'm excited. We're going to worship. I'll see you next week. Again, thank you for joining us online at Venture Community Church. We hope that God moved miraculously in your home today. At VCC, we exist to grow and advance individuals and families by declaring and demonstrating his gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere. If God did something incredible in your life today, please email us at info at Also, if you feel like you want to partner financially with what God is doing here in Graham, in this country, and around the world through Venture Community Church, you can give online at VentureGraham.org, or you can give through our app. And all the instructions to download the app can be found on our website. Again, VentureGraham.org. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.